the Broncos Blitz podcast with Ronnie K. Analysis, discussion, and the latest around the Broncos as the season continues. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast with Ronnie K. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K, radio on Twitter. We're today on the podcast going to discuss who has the advantage. Who has the advantage when the Broncos have the football? Who has the advantage when the Jaguars have the football? As Jacksonville comes to Denver to Empower Field at Mile High on Sunday. How this game will break down as we turn the page towards the Broncos' next game as they try to finally collect a win uh, and get off that 0-3 schneid mark, whatever you want to call it. It is a uh, brutal one so far for Denver fans to be bearing. But I tell you what, have no fear, Denver fans. We have a lot of positivity, and I say we because Tori Rees joins me as a contributor to MileHighSports.com. You hear him on the podcast weekly. Uh, Tori, where can they find you on social media? Where can they find your work? At Talented Tori on Twitter. All righty. So, uh, lots to get to, and I want to start with the Broncos have the football. Joe Flacco in this offense. Uh, looks like the offense starting to improve, the play calling getting a little better, but the bottom line is that, look, 16, 14, 16. Those are the three-point outputs. Who has the advantage on, on, on really in general when the Broncos have the football and the Jaguars' defense is on the field? Yeah, it's going to be uh, advantage Jacksonville Jaguars' defense. Uh, to put it mildly, uh, the Broncos haven't scored a lot of points, and the Jaguars haven't given up a lot of points. Uh, they're impacting the ball uh, more than you can say uh, the Denver defense has, which is not much to say, seeing that they have zero turnovers or sacks through three games. Uh, but the Jacksonville Jaguars have produced 13 sacks, and Joe Flacco has been sacked 11 times. So that sure. kind of combination uh, you know, bodes well for the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. They have playmakers. Calais Campbell's out there, Miles Jack. Uh, Josh Allen, the young rookie uh, from Kentucky. They have playmakers on the corners. It remains to be seen if Jalen Ramsey will suit up, but they have A.J. Boye on the other side. So uh, this Jacksonville Jaguars defense had seven sacks on Marcus Mariota alone. I I think that this is advantage uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So a long day coming for Joe Flacco. Uh, It might be. It might be just because of the shoddy offensive line. And I don't see their play stepping up anytime soon from Garrett Bowles or Elijah Wilkins. Maybe I'm putting a little bit too much trust in Rich Scangarello, but I trust Rich Scangarello to call a play, a game that will cater to trying to neutralize that pass rush. Yeah. So, and look, we've seen him do this before with uh, games against the Chicago Bears. A little bit more quick passing, you know, to where you got to get the ball out. Even against Green Bay, uh, look, there were times where, look, the secondary coverage from Green Bay was just very good. So, uh, certainly is going to be one of those key factors. Um, I'm going to give the advantage to the Broncos offense. I think this Broncos offense has been very good in improving from week to week. Okay. Okay. I understand 16 points, 14 points, 16 points. Look, let's be honest. We sample size is very small when it comes to a points per game type discussion. I think Yeah. three games is just not enough because again, they don't commit those dumb turnovers like they usually do. Then all of a sudden, maybe they score seven, ten more points against Green Bay. Deshaun Hamilton simply catches a touchdown pass. That's seven more points. So I, I don't want to quite get into that discussion more so than the fact that how do they look every single week? And the fact is, look, they were a disaster against Oakland. Make yeah. no mistake. The sliding uh, window gate door play, whatever you want to call it, uh, the swinging gate, the handoff to Noah Fant, some of the timing, it just... It was off. It was it was discombobulated. It was rusty. 
It was Rich Gangarello finally having an offensive coordinator gig and saying, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna fake him out here with my first opportunity. I think he got a little geeked up. Yeah. And since then, we have seen a rushing attack that can run the ball. We have seen them move down the field. Look, they had 12, 15, and 12 play drives um, against Green Bay. That, okay. that means your offense is moving the ball at will. The okay. problem is, is Denver just didn't get a lot of opportunities to do that because of stupid turnovers. I really don't think Noel Fant's going to fumble like he did previously anymore. I, I think it's going to be two hands on the ball. Rookie had his rookie mistake, if you will, that he's going to learn from. And look, Joe Flacco throws an interception that only happens in the rain. So I, I like the chances for Denver against the Jacksonville defense to scheme up a game plan to where it takes the pass rush out, you control the clock, you control the trenches, and you run to the tune of four and a half, five yards per carry like they've been doing so far this season. Yeah, the one thing I will say about that is, yes, he did neutralize the the Chicago Bears passing or pass rush as much as he could. But what happened, maybe Joe Flacco didn't get sacked as much as he did in the Packers game where he did get sacked six times. But then you're going to have holding calls on Garrett Bowles, who gets called for four holding calls. I can see something like that happening. It's like you can't win for losing because it's either you get the ball out quickly um, and you know, you try to get the ball out quickly and you're uh, susceptible to having holding calls. Hey, or, or you're... You can't get called for holding if Joe Flacco don't have the ball. Hey, may, maybe <laughs> maybe not. But but I will say, the sense of urgency is still lost on me on this offense. Sure. Um, when they were down 27 to 16 with about five minutes left, they ran two plays. One was a run play to Royce Freeman and one was a check down to Royce Freeman. Uh, for four yards apiece. So eight eight yards took you a minute. No, oh, I get it. Uh, so, there were so, some situations. And again, this goes to the learning side of things mm -hmm. with Rich Gangarello. I think a lot of this is learning on the fly and understanding that there were certain points that, look, they can't, uh, they need to have more of a sense of urgency. But I, I also think that, think of it in this way, too. You know, This is a team that is not going to do very well when they're playing from behind. Okay, okay. Uh, This is not a team that is going to do well when they're down two scores and they have only five minutes left. Okay? Yeah. That's just not the way they are because they operate mostly on the run game. I truly don't. Look, I, I, I enjoy the mania mm -hmm. that's around Gardner Minshew. <laughs> I, I enjoy watching him play. I actually think he's, he's done quite well for himself. Yes. He's a better player than many people thought. I also don't expect Gardner Minshew to go out there and put up 21, 28 points uh, total. Yeah. Know, I, 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 I just I need to see more from Gardner Minshew on the road against a defense that I think is still very good. They yeah. just haven't had it click. And and this is the light bulb game for me. And and maybe this transitions nicely to talking about who has the advantage on defense versus who has the advantage on offense. And I think this is a either a push or a slight uh, advantage to the Broncos. Because A, they're on uh, at home, which yeah. is a big, big deal. Yeah. Um, B, it's going to be one of the uh, first opportunities, I think, for Vic Fangio to make a scheme change or at least tweaks. You know, this is a team that I, I think Vic, Vic Fangio, in me knowing how he operates, I think he's very methodical mm -hmm. in his changes. I don't think he's going to be somebody who's going to just recklessly, on the, the flip of a whim, just change something. I think we saw proof in that in Isaac Yadam consistently get beat. I think he's very much, as he said, post game. You know, Isaac Yadam's just got to go out there and he's just got to make a play sometimes. You know, and I think he needs to see enough of a um, 
a, a big enough sample size to say, okay, this is not working. Let's change this. Mm-hmm. Three games to me is enough of a sample size that says, okay, you played against a good quarterback. You played against kind of a eh, quarterback, a meh quarterback in Derek Carr. And you played against one that's kind of bad right now in Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. And in all three phases, this kind of rallied to the linebacker soft defense. It's just not working because Todd Davis is not Roquan Smith because Josie Jewell is not Khalil Mack. You just don't have that natural talent at linebacker. And so I think you do need to make changes. You know, maybe there needs to be a little bit more man thrown in. Takes advantage of Chris Harris Jr. and uh, what he can bring. I think there's going to be some tweaks. I think there's going to be a little bit more blitzing. I think there's going to be opportunities for this team to get to the quarterback little bit of a tweak, and and thus, hopefully, they can actually hit the quarterback. Yeah. Again, it's not even about the sack number at this point. It's just hitting the quarterback. Three quarterback hits in, in 12 quarters, not good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think the, the advantage is on the Denver defense. I think it's on both defenses uh, for, the, for the reasons that you said. It's at home. Uh, you're playing with the altitude, and we saw how the Bears – uh, you, you know, was was we're sucking wind when it comes to deep in the fourth quarter. This is going to be a one possession game. I I believe. I think it's going to be a low scoring game because of the impacts of both defenses. But I also believe that hey, it's a rookie quarterback and it's a low six round pick rookie quarterback uh, and a guy that I think that has the mentality of I have to make a play. I have to um, you know keep my team in it. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to be the Joe Flacco S, right? He's not going to lose you a game. He's not going to, he's going to try to fit a ball uh, through a tight window. He's going to try to hold on to a ball or extend the play. And that's when an opportunity for a team that has no sack or no turnovers, uh, like a Von Miller, like a Bradley Chubb, can pin their ears back and finally maybe get a, a, a strip sack fumble. Or finally, Chris Harris Jr. makes a play on the ball because, again, he's not trailing uh, number one receivers. Uh, all we all uh game like he has for the past three weeks. He had to trail Allen Robinson. He had to trail uh Devonte Adams and and Ty- Tyrell Williams, who was who was giving them problems uh in the first game. So uh, you have you know D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Lee, and and D.J. Chark. Like those aren't guys that are really gonna wow you. So sure. maybe he goes out there and he can make a play uh on the ball and and create some kind of turnover because Gardner Minshew is very young. I, maybe he doesn't know the reputation of Chris Harris Jr. He throws it that way, uh, you know, one time, and that's all you need to make a mistake is throw it out there that one time. So I think that they they will have this will open the the gates up and kind of get that proverbial monkey off their back of finally getting a sack or turnover so we can stop talking. Well, that's certainly going to be the help uh, or the hope because uh, this is Denver team that look it's baffling. They got a lot of talent on that defense, and for not to. For them to be the first team in NFL history with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on that team to not record a sack or a turnover through the first four game, uh, first three games since the statistics started being kept in 1969, it's just baffling. It's baffling. Yeah. So uh, we're going to tell you how they changed that and the one key on offensive defense for the Denver Broncos. That's next. So again, it's the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirit. Chef Andrea Varela and that locally sourced rotating seasonally fair is just tremendous. Be, on, be sure to head on over there to Tap 14 on the web. That's tap14.com, tap14.com. All right, one key on offense, one key on defense this Broncos team when they are on offense what is the one thing they absolutely need to do 
Uh, mine is going to be uh, very, very simple because I think they beat the Green Bay Packers if they just don't turn the ball over, if they don't beat themselves. They know they can run the football. They know Joe Flacco can be an efficient option. If they just don't beat themselves, look, again, I don't expect Gardner Minshew to just light up the uh, you know, Denver Bronco defense for 30 points. Uh, 20 points is probably going to get it done here. Uh, it's just... I, I don't see how you win, though, if you beat yourself on offense with these bad turnovers, with these careless football plays of, uh, look, it's Noah fan. I understand he's a rookie, but, man, you just can't have a a corner come up and steal the football from you. It's just unacceptable. Uh, they've got to be better in that department. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll completely agree with you, and which adds to my point, uh, my one key on offense. They have to finish drives, like you said. They had uh, three drives where they went 15, 12, and 12, I believe, that you said, for, for plays in a drive. They moved the ball better than pretty much anyone in the league through the first three games when it comes to moving the ball down the field 20 for 20. They averaged in top five for offensive plays in a game. They averaged top five. So they're move, they have the ball. It's not like they're going three and out. It, it's Whether it's turnovers, whether it's uh, red zone inefficiencies, They've been beating themselves. So the one key to this game is they have to finish drives that end in points, whether it's taking yourself out of field goal range whenever you get to the 40 or 30-yard line or you're in the red zone and you don't convert for those, uh, you know, you settle for three instead of getting seven. So if the offense can do this against this tough Jacksonville Jaguars defense, uh, this will bode well and and uh, result in a win for them. Yeah. When the uh, Broncos are offense, look, it's it's just not turning the ball over. When the Broncos are defense, it's trying to get turnovers. I think that's the big thing. Look, uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Gardner Minshew may not know exactly how good of a corner Chris Harris Jr. is. He may not know exactly like how quickly Von Miller and Bradley Chubb can come off screaming on that edge. Maybe he holds on to the ball a little bit longer, a little bit of inexperience playing into an factor. And look, to be truly honest, too, does he know about these great safeties? I mean, I, I still preach Justin Simmons. He's having a fine year yeah. so far. Kareem Jackson as well, too, can be a, a real disruptor at safety. There are some talented players here that I think just got to make some plays, and they got to force a turnover or two here. Got to give their uh, offense a little bit of opportunities to have a short field put some extra points on the board, and then all of a sudden your 16 that they've been scoring, you know, a little bit more efficient on offense, balloons to 24, 27, and then all of a sudden you're winning the game 27-16. Who knows how it goes? So uh, I think forcing those turnovers, getting to the quarterback, that truly is going to be key. That's the one thing we're still missing from this team. We've seen this team be able to cover out on the edges, uh, yes, they've struggled at times with the deep ball, but certainly, look, you're going to get hit once or twice by Aaron Rodgers for a deep hit. That's just that's the way it is. That's Aaron Rodgers at his specialty. It happens. Yeah. As long as you can make sure that the bad quarterbacks or at least the unknowns in the Gardner Minshews or the Mitchell Trubisky's of the world aren't doing that, I think you're fine. Uh, we really didn't see much of it from Trubisky. Uh, hopefully, we don't see a lot of it from Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you right there. I think the one key on defense is take advantage of your experience. Uh, you, you look at the defense, and it's and it's it has so much experience with Vaughn Miller, with Kareem Jackson, with Chris Harris Jr., guys who have been in the league and performed at very high levels for five, six, seven, and even in you know some people's cases, ten years with Kareem Jackson. 
you have to take advantage of this experience when you look at the skill positions and even down to some of the line uh, offensive linemen for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew, a rookie. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he's only been in the league uh, two, three years. A Marquise Lee, DJ Chark, D.D. Re- uh, Westbrook, all of these guys have been in the league for one to two years. So they have a lot of youth and a lot of night. Uh, you know, naive, right? They they think that um, they can make every play. They think, you look at some of the plays with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Titans, yes, Gardner Minshew was fearless, but he threw into some places where he shouldn't have thrown into. So this is, yeah. uh, you know, this is... And it's know, a road game, too. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be loud and rowdy. So maybe he makes those throws again, thinking that his playmakers on the outside can, can, can create these plays and make those plays for him. And that's where you have to come in as a experienced veteran defense and make them pay for making those those decisions that that maybe he can make in college with with Washington State because he's had this air raid offense and it's like hey I can sling the ball as much as I want to you have to make sure that he like that he pays for making those decisions and make that you know disguise some things bait him into making yeah. those mistakes and look if you're Chris Harris Jr. you know you talk about it every I feel like it's every single offseason oh I'm gonna have more picks yeah <laughs> more interceptions yeah. this and that and I understand he doesn't usually get the ball thrown towards his way but if he does he needs to start to look at the idea of really taking advantage of those opportunities and maybe making a play and look maybe one play is made and all of a sudden it sparks something and then the light bulb goes off and this team ends up getting three, four turnovers and they collect a bunch of sacks and then we're all hunky-dory <laughs> heading into the Chargers game. It should be noted for the Chargers game, this was reported as well by uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, does appear that the holdout for Melvin Gordon is uh, looking like it's coming to an end soon. Uh, we'll see how that develops, but it does appear Gordon's going to be available for the Broncos matchup that the Chargers will be hosting Denver mm-hmm. or um, it will be a hosting of Denver <laughs> yeah, it's as a home game for <laughs> Denver because, let's be honest, uh, that, not a lot of people show up to those Chargers games. But, hey, I mean, uh, look, <laughs> uh, whatever Denver can get uh, certainly benefits them. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by our friends over there at TAP14 and our friends at Pro Football Focus. So, quick note on the Chargers matchup, of course, looking forward. Of course, the Broncos and Jaguars this Sunday, I believe, uh, 2 o'clock start. 225? Uh, 225 is mm-hmm. when... They'll be going, so certainly we'll be uh, keeping updated. I'll be at the stadium tweeting live and uh, getting you post-game coverage, so be sure to check out all that at milehighsports.com as well as uh, on Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio, on Twitter. And, of course, Tori, you are on Twitter as well, too. Talented Tori, you are always writing and and contributing to milehighsports.com as well, too. So be sure to stay up to date with Tori's work as well. So. We are all done for the Broncos Blitz podcast. Be sure to check out all the info with the Denver Broncos at milehighsports.com. And, of course, the all-new Mile High Sports mobile app that's free for Apple and Android. But until tomorrow with the daily Broncos Blitz podcast, be sure to check out milehighsports.com for all your news, info, players, uh, player profiles, player discussions, uh, debates, all that great stuff at milehighsports.com. Milehighsports.com. See you, all To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit milehighsports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.